chaplain my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God life relationships the Bible and spirituality they also called me Padre so welcome to the dear Padre podcast where I take your questions or the questions of the day and answer them from the Christian tradition from stories and from my own experience the question that we're looking at today on dear Padre is the question of what is faith and what am I to do with both the difficult things in my life and the the things that actually turn out kind of well, the kind of things that we that I experience healing in. So really the bigger overall question is what is faith and where does faith come into the story of the 10 lepers that we're reading today in the gospel lesson of Luke 17, the story where Jesus is traveling, he's on his way to Jerusalem, between Samaria and Galilee. Uh, there's this region between Samaria and Galilee, and it says there's a, there's a certain village that he goes into. The story uh, could have told us what village it is, but the writer does not. And 10 lepers approach him. My first thought is, what in the world is a tiny village? Have, why do they have 10 lepers? Where do they come from? Um, what, why, why are 10 people affected with this debilitating illness? Leprosy in the ancient world may or may not be the modern equivalent of leprosy. There's lots written about this in the literature, what ancient leprosy was. Uh, and from reading uh, both Old Testament accounts of how to deal with leprosy and stories of people that had leprosy, and then reading New Testament accounts, and then reading modern descriptions of leprosy, uh, it's hard to know if it's simply, uh, in some cases, a skin disease, and in other cases, the disease that we call leprosy today that, uh, that eventually kills people um, in a very slow and, and debilitating way, often affecting their nerves uh, so that they, or their, their sensory uh, abilities, so that in time they're unable to... Um, to feel things and uh, there there have been leper colonies and there still are places where um, people have been de designated to live and that was true in the ancient world too lepers would have had to live uh, under a very strict set of rules that exiled them from any community of life that they knew before and it makes me wonder if this village is in fact a leper village where everyone's a leper but it seems like it's a regular village from the story. But what is faith for these 10 lepers is the question I hope I can answer in this very brief time that you've joined me for Dear Padre Podcast. And I wanna thank you for, for sticking with me uh, all these years that I've been working on this and sharing ideas with you in this format. Hopefully you can experience it while you're running, driving, doing chores and other things. That's the beauty of podcasts for me is that I can uh, get a lot of stuff done while listening. And maybe you're uh, getting some stuff done today. And that is what these lepers need to do. They need to get something done. The one thing they need done is they need to be healed. They need to experience a return to community. But Jesus enters the village, um, and I assume his disciples are there with him, but it doesn't say they are. 
uh, and these lepers approach him and they keep their distance, which was the law. They had to keep their distance. They could not come any closer than a certain amount of space. They have to cover their mouths and they are required by law to cry out uh, in the streets their position and that they are leprous and beware. But instead of doing that, these lepers cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And I see in this, uh, in these, these men's uh, cry, they're not crying out as individuals, as we might imagine them. They're crying out as a group, which tells me something about them and something about leprosy. Uh, leprosy was a club that no, none of them wanted to join. And I don't know if you've ever woken up one day to realize that you had joined a club that you had never wanted to join. It was a, a, an association or an illness or something happened that put you in a position that you had never expected to be in or perhaps feared to be in uh, because of seeing someone else go through that. But here you are now part of this community. Uh, for me, that community was the community of divorced people. Uh, I had never thought I would get divorced in my life many years ago when I got married the first time. And so when my divorce happened, I felt like I was the first person on the planet to ever get divorced. It was certainly the first time it had ever happened to me. And suddenly I was in this group of people that I had, uh, in my own mind, put in a special category of humanity. Um, those that had failed at marriage. We talk about failed marriages, and that experience of divorce for me was the feeling that I had failed at marriage, um, and thus had failed at my entire life. Divorce can make a person feel that way. And then suddenly I was in this club. I had to check certain boxes on government forms. I had to tell people about this, uh, or at least it would come up quite quickly in conversations when discussions of children and relationships would come up. And so I had to own it. I had to eventually uh, embrace the reality of my situation as being a divorced person. And thankfully, I'm remarried now and married so that I don't have to go around saying that I'm divorced all the time, uh, as I did in those days. Um, and so these lepers, um, and I'm in no way comparing my divorce to leprosy or any other any other malady that has befallen a person. But for me, that was a club that I had not, want, not wanted to join, and there I was, a full-fledged card-carrying member. I don't know if you've ever had an experience where that was true of you, but it was true of these lepers. At one point, they had gone through the, and, and were still going through the stages of grieving. Uh, the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's stages of grief, uh, denial, uh, we often, it's even become so much part of our culture, these stages of grief that we, um, we've parodied them in so many different ways. But Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's book about the stages of grief were about your own death. They were not about the grief you might experience from other people as much as about facing an illness that you knew was going to take your life or just the dying process in general and the kinds of things that people go through these stages. And we can imagine these lepers are going through these stages of grief in various ways. Uh, and leprosy is such a slow, creeping disease that it would have taken a long time for them to even figure out that they had it. 
by the time they had figured that out, uh, a lot of time had passed. And so the hopes of treatment and other things are kind of by the wayside. The last uh, person I read about in, the, in, the, um, in history that had leprosy was Baldwin IV, the king of Jerusalem, who is diagnosed as a child, but he is heir to the throne of Jerusalem in the Crusader kingdom of Jerusalem. And so his whole life is spent uh, dealing with this debilitating disease that, that affects everything he does and affects even how the, his uh, kingdom is run and all these other factors that play in. But reading that description of his nurses and caretakers as a child, you know, he's the, he's the prince, the little prince, uh, as they realize that he has leprosy is uh, chilling to the bone to read that account of how they experienced him uh, being 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 a, a, being aware of his leprosy at a very young age, so these lepers um, have gone through this, and so when they see Jesus coming, they have some knowledge that he is uh, that he is able to do something about it. So they cry out together, and this is one of the things I've noticed about people that have had to join communities that they never wanted to join. In inside those communities we find a whole new set of relationships, uh, or we can find a whole new set of relationships. So they cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. On us, it's not an individual thing. It's for all of them. And I think we find this to be true when we join communities that we never wanted to join, that inside those communities, there is a kind of love and acceptance that we can't really find anywhere else. When you've been through facing the either physical or existential barrel of a gun, you face that with people that are facing that. There is a community there that is unlike any other. And we may even wonder if we could ever go back to the real world and experience the kind of community we had before. We, they, these, these men have taken, uh, they have joined this community and so they're crying out as one in desperate need. They use the word master here. It's the word, um, Jesus has called this a number of times, but it's not the word Lord, Kyrie, it's the, um, it's a word for like boss or workmaster. They call out to him and beg him to, to have mercy on, on them. Uh, there that have mercy on me is, is that idea of compassion, uh, free us from this debilitating illness. And so, uh, Jesus, uh, tells them to do something. Uh, this is the, what healing looks like in this story. When Jesus saw him, he said, go and show yourselves to the priest. Go show yourselves to the priest. The, the priest word is uh, Hurion, where you know, Hieronymus comes from, sacred, uh, holy. I have a son named Hieronymus, in case you didn't know. And so um, it's nice to see his, his part of his name in the story. But the the prescription in the Old Testament is to when you uh, feel like you may have gotten rid of your leprosy to go to the priest. The priests then validate that uh, that healing or validate that you have leprosy. Uh, so this was the, the standard procedure. Jesus doesn't seem to like priests very much um, in most contexts. He makes it clear he is a priest that walks by the good the, the uh, man who's beaten up in the story of the Good Samaritan. A priest walks by and ignores this suffering person. So in other occasions where Jesus is not so um, not so excited about the priest's ministry. 
I'm saying this as a priest myself in the Anglican tradition, in the Episcopal Church, uh, that um, that's a little worrisome for me. And knowing that what Jesus said about priests um, helps me understand how I'm supposed to be a priest in this world, not one that uh, bypasses the suffering around me, but someone who engages with it and is, and is present to it. So go show themselves to the priest, they go, and it says, as they went, they were made clean. As they went, healing in this story, or faith in this story, is as they went. As they went, they were made clean. I think that so much of my life has been spent waiting for something miraculous to happen. Uh, and yet in this story, these lepers don't wait at all. They do what Jesus said, and as they went, this healing happens. Uh, we often wonder, like, what is the moment of faith? When does it happen in a person's life? When does it happen in my life? And it happens in this story as they went, as they are moving towards hope, as they are moving towards the priest to be validated or to be examined, they, are, they experience this miraculous healing. Uh, fear of the future might immobilize us from moving. Um, regrets and shame from our past can immobilize us. But when Jesus tells us to go, we go. And that is faith. Not quite sure of what will happen, but there is hope. We are moving towards hope in this life. And I know so, so many of you that I know well, I can see moving towards hope. And so hopefully you're moving towards hope today. Not always sure of the outcome but sure of the process that Jesus has sent you on. So what did Jesus, what did these lepers see in Jesus that gave them confidence to actually go on the journey? As a leper, to travel would be very difficult, especially if they already um, have been affected by the disease um, considerably, and yet they do it. And the story, this is the whole point of the story, is that nine of them go back home to their original communities, we can imagine. It doesn't say where they go. And one of them comes back to Jesus, and he is identified as a Samaritan. As um, is often shared in the New Testament, Samaritans were, were, we would consider them to be Jews, as Jesus was and others in his community. But because of the Babylonian captivity and some other uh, intermarriages that had happened over the years, they were considered by the Judeans and other Jewish people at that time to not be full members of the covenant. And they were shunned, and even though they kind of lived side by side in the land, there was a huge gaping wound there and rift between uh, the Samaritan community and the Judean or Jewish Jerusalem community. They, the Samaritans had their own temple, their own priesthood. Some have speculated that Jesus tells them to go show themselves to the priests, and the Samaritan wouldn't have been able to do that as easily, perhaps, as the others. It doesn't say that in the story at all. What, what the point of the story is that a person who you wouldn't expect to be thankful is thankful. Um, Samaritans, apparently, in that day, were not known to be thankful to Jewish people that had helped them. And yet, here is a Samaritan being thankful. Jesus asks the Samaritan, or the Samaritan comes back, and he's praising God with a loud voice. The word there is doxology. Dox, 
that he is praising God with a loud voice. He's then it says he prostrates himself at Jesus' feet. And prostrate sounds like a very religious word, but the, the Greek is that he falls on his face. He falls on his face before Jesus. Here we see in what worship is. Worship is falling on our face before Jesus uh, and, and, as, and thanking Jesus with doxology and praise, with music, with song, with words, and with our own physical movements. It's one thing I enjoy about being an Episcopalian is there are some physical movements that we do in worship that uh, heighten the experience for me. In Warrior Church, which is a workout and prayer group that we have um, every other week in Pflugerville, uh, we did some prayer of St. Ephraim, which is an ancient prayer where you do a bunch of prostrations. You fall on your face, more or less. You get, we, we did it on mats, so it was fairly comfortable, but it's exhausting. And But you see in that act of worship, you get down, you get up, you get down, you say a few prayers. Even in that very rote, um, ritualized falling on our face, you can you can feel something in that. And so our whole Eucharistic service is a giving of thanks. That's what the word Eucharist is used here in this context where he says he gave thanks to Jesus. And that is what Christians do in church as we give thanks in the Eucharist. And Jesus, of course, says, weren't there 10 made clean, but the, but the other nine, where are they? Uh, it's kind of, kind of Jesus is stating the very obvious here. Um, and none of them came back except for this foreigner, he says. Jesus um, emphasizes the otherness of the Samaritan to show that what he is doing is a result of really deep and abiding faith, a really deep abiding faith experience. So we ask the question, what is faith? Faith is going towards hope. Faith is going in that direction that you know to go, although it is very uncertain what will happen when you get there. That is faith in the story. And then faith is completed. Faith always results in doxology and praise. Faith always results in thanksgiving and going back to Jesus with that same gift that you've been given, which is true for all of our lives. All we are giving to God is what God has given to us. All we are doing in worship is giving back to God some of the life that God has given to us. And so Jesus sends him on his way and says, your faith has made you well. Isn't that what we all want? We want to be well we talk about wellness today as more as a more holistic experience of health, but it it always encompasses all the parts of our being, not just our aches and our pains, but our inner ex ex existential dread and experience of anxiety and all those things that are very deep inside us. Uh, that's what we mean by wellness, and that encompasses sometimes going and showing ourselves to the priests, and what that means is. We go to people that are outside of our circle of friendship and our circle of um, our circle of um, just the people around us and, and the easy um, access we have to them. We go to a professional. Um, Jesus sends the lepers to a priest, to the priests. Um, and I think the modern equivalent of that might be a priest that's outside of that circle, but also other professionals who are skilled and trained in in caring for the body and the soul and the mind. Uh, I've certainly benefited from going to counseling over the years, going to psychiatrists and going to other 
doctors and sharing with them what I've experienced and symptoms and they've helped me a lot. So part of moving towards healing and wellness through faith is to go to people that you need to go to, to see. So again, another uh, public service announcement for, for going to a real mental health professional or going to a real doctor or physician's assistant or someone that, that is qualified to care for us in times of need. And yet, ultimately, that experience is going to God because all, the, the source of all life and light is God. And so as we move towards those healing professionals in our community and outside our community, we are, in fact, experiencing part of, of the way God heals us. And so uh, Jesus restores these people to community. The, the club that they had joined, the club of being a leper, is no longer the club that they're in. And I think that as we heal over time, uh, as we experience God's love, we find that we are joining new communities all the time. And that we are, in fact, becoming more and deeper participants in the community of God, which is marked by love. And that's something I'm really thankful for today. So when I think of this Good Samaritan, there is a sort of morality tale in this story. And that is when somebody gives you something, when somebody helps you, thank them. That's a really good way to, to complete that act, to not just leave it hanging there. And we've all left lots of things hanging when it comes to gratefulness and thankfulness. But the deeper message of this story to me is not just that I need to write more thank you notes or say more words of thanks to people that have helped me. And many of you are those people that are listening today. And I want to thank you. And I hopefully will do that individually as well. But the deeper message of alienation, of estrangement, of losing our community and then joining this other community and finding Jesus in that moment of estrangement, in that moment of alienation, and then finding that we are brought now into Jesus' community. Uh, these lepers that went away, especially this one who comes back, is now not just experiencing the absence of a disease, but he is experiencing wellness, wholeness, new life in a way that uh, all the healthy experience before leprosy could not be could not be parallel to in any way, shape, or form. He's experienced the fullness of life. So that is possible. The fullness of life is possible. And I'm living proof that that is true. In spite of all the, the things that, that we all deal with, there is a, a well and whole life possible for us uh, here on this planet. So thank you for joining me on the Dear Padre podcast. I wish you well this week and every week.